0: Log Talk Radio. I stroll through the picture. What I've left behind. I'm locked locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come Never
1: know Just what done well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the NASCA, Stop Child Abuse Now, um, Blog Talk Radio Show. We're so happy that you're here with us this evening. And um, my name is Kim Lakin, and I am your host this evening, and my beautiful co-host, Dr. Dancy, is with me this evening, and we would love to have you join us. If you want to just call in and be a part of the panel or just call in to listen, the guest call-in number is 646-595-2118, and my host, Dr. Dancy, will meet you on the back line, and um, and let you in. So we're so happy to have you here with us this evening. Our very special guest is Dr. Rand, or, or Randy Burton, not doctor, I don't think. <laughs> um, sorry about that. He is um, a returning NASCA member, and we're excited to, to hear his story of the nonprofit that he started, and we will get into that in just a minute. But right now, I need to just let you know that at NASCA, we have a single purpose, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone who is interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And you can find some of that prevention and um, recovery information on our website at NASCA.org. And that stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And so the website is NAAFCA. And you can access any of our shows that we have in the past. And then I believe later on this evening, it will be the one that we're doing this evening will be available. So um, as I said, we are, and we're also on scan 3098. I almost forgot to say that. So um, our special guest this evening is Randy Burton, and he is from Texas. He's an internationally recognized expert on child abuse and neglect and the founder of Justice for Children, a national child advocacy organization that provides pro pro bono legal services and social services to victims of abuse and neglect across the United States. The Justice for Children Health Center helps when the child protection system fails to protect a child, and we know we've heard so many stories about that, how it's failed, and um, so we're just really excited to have Randy on with us this evening, and Randy, I'm going to go ahead and open your mic now and bring you on, and welcome. We're so happy to have you this evening.
2: Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, I'm here. Can
1: yeah. you hear me? Awesome. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for being um, here, and I know you're a returning member of NASCA, so you probably kind of know how we run. But um, that's true. You know, it, I don't. Yeah. So you just can kind of start wherever you want to start. You know, it's your show. If there's a backstory as to why you um, are in this line of work then, you know, maybe some people would like to hear a little bit about that as well. But um, we'll just kind of turn it over to you. And then, as you know, we might interrupt here in a little while and just ask a few questions and see if everyone on the panel, anyone has a question as well. So if that's okay with you, we'll get started. Of course.
2: Yeah, the more questions the better. So uh, uh, the the veil was lifted from my eyes on child abuse uh, during my early days as a prosecutor at the DA's office, I was chief prosecutor of family violence. And that was before we had a dedicated child abuse unit. That was back in the um, early 80s. And um, the, the thing that um, I was completely unaware about was Not that child abuse didn't exist. Of course I knew that. But I did not understand that the system that's designed to protect children, which consists of children's protective services, um, the family courts, law enforcement, prosecutors, and the criminal courts routinely fail to protect children, children that they know have been abused Um, and and where there have been multiple instances of reports, not only from neighbors, but from doctors and others uh, of their suspicions or knowledge that a child has been abused, we primarily focus on victims that are under the age of seven because there is a unusual uh, situation in courts where children that are the most tender age are presumed incompetent to testify on their own behalf. There are uh, many ways that we've attempted to accommodate children. In their testimony by doing closed-circuit TV and so forth so that they're not overly intimidated by uh, the perpetrator or his or her attorney uh, during cross-examination. Um, but we have not gotten to a point where we assume that the child victim is telling the truth are very even capable of telling the truth, and so many of the cases that come to us are cases where CPS has investigated but closed the file. Uh, not surprisingly, they frequently do a poor job of investigating these cases, and in fact, they're not trained like law enforcement would be. Uh, And as we'll get into in a minute, their priorities are fundamentally different from law enforcement. Um, So we have by default given CPS the lead investigative position on crimes against children Even though they don't have any authority to file crimes or or criminal charges, that's exclusively within the domain of law enforcement and the prosecutors. And yet, if they do not do a proper investigation, every other legitimate uh, agency that is downstream from them, their case is irreparably harmed if uh, the evidence is not properly collected on the front end and we we only do this in cases of children with adults we give them our very best uh, homicide detectives and um, other, other officers that are in larger jurisdictions carefully trained on how to handle domestic violence and things like that but only in the case of children do they get, and I'm not saying that they're bad people, but do we get untrained social workers making these life and death decisions about whether a child should be removed from a dangerous home? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, what I discovered early on, again, this is in the probably closer to 86 or 87 is that there is a a financial incentive for CPS to leave children in homes, not to remove them. It's uh, known as public law 96-272, which is the the Adoption uh, Assistance Act of 1980. And it basically says that if you want matching federal monies, which is half the money that state agencies, CPS agencies get, you have to demonstrate by audit to the federal government that you've made, quote, reasonable efforts to preserve the family unit or if you've removed the child, you've made reasonable efforts to return the child to the home. Now, the key here is reasonable, um, but it's been interpreted because of the fear of losing these monies by CPS agencies to be uh, an end in itself, preserving the family unit. But as we know, these are not typical families. A, A child that is being sexually molested by a father or a boyfriend or an uncle that is no that is no home for a child. Many of the cases that we get are sexual abuse cases, which are all first degree felonies, same as same punishment range as murder. And yet, we have civil servants, social workers, usually right out of college, with a modicum of uh, training. I mean, several weeks making these decisions. Um, So one of the things that we have focused on is trying to make law enforcement, because these may be social problems, but first and foremost, they're crimes against children. And we insist that law enforcement take the lead in investigating these cases, because if the evidence isn't collected properly, the case goes away. Um, uh, the, the thing that I mentioned briefly before about the difference between the way that CPS and family courts look at these cases in the way that prosecutors and law enforcement and criminal courts tend to look at them is child, which means de facto removing them from the home, they tried to perform a social miracle with the family. And again, the cases that I have seen over 35 years, and that's since I left the DA's office, would curl your hair. I mean, uh, not only the horrible, horrible physical abuse and murder of little children, but the outrageous sexual abuse of little children. Um, it, it, it is insane to leave those children uh, in, in a quote home. Uh, if, when care's not ideal, you don't try to make a foster or some other emergency placement, but that's not what's happening. In many of these cases, um, there's a, a famous study that's done uh, on a national level every few years called the National Incident Survey. And according to the National Incident Survey for the past 20 years, this statistic has remained the same. Uh, 75% of all children known to CPS as victims of physical or sexual abuse or serious neglect or returned to the home or left in the home without removal. That means we're going to see every one of those children again. And and when we had... Yeah, 72 to 75... uh, And it's it's not surprising that this is a vicious cycle where uh, if the child is never protected and assuming that they live, uh, that they're going to recycle through the system, a, a, a teacher or a nurse or someone is going to make new referrals when they see black eyes or broken bones or um, uh, scars on the back of little children where they've been beaten with lamp cords. Um, or change it, in
1: personality, yes. even.
2: Yeah. I mean, so uh, you can't get involved in these cases and not want to try to move the needle, try to repair or fix. The system. I understand that the damage may already be done with some children, um, and that may be irreparable. But there is no reason why we continue to see day in and day out in every state uh, these colossal failures that any average person would say must be taken into protective custody. And again, if you were an adult and someone raped you or or beat you and broke your skull or had a twist fracture of your arm or leg, inconceivable that criminal charges wouldn't be filed immediately um, the perpetrator taken into uh, custody and charged with a felony crime. But again, with children, um, it, it, uh, it, that is the last consideration that occurs. And so uh, uh, w- there are three basic things that we focus on. One is um, to try to reorient the system from, away from family preservation as an end in itself, um, uh, focus on having a quality investigation with law enforcement on the front end, and then accountability. Uh, one of the biggest problems that we see uh, in the, is uh, the inability of the public know what was done to try to protect these children. Um, Virtually every state, as part of CAPTA, the Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act, uh, it's a federal statute, um, has confidentiality statutes, but confidentiality is designed to protect an innocent person. It's designed to protect The person who reports the abuse from retaliation is designed to protect the accused until they're uh, found guilty, and it's designed to protect um, uh, the child, assuming that they're alive, uh, and and preserve their anonymity. But what is being used as is a, a shield to protect CPS typically from negative uh, reports about the countless opportunities that they had to save a child from either death or something arguably as bad. Um, and so we're working to change the confidentiality laws because you think about it if and I've got several current cases in Houston although we take cases all over the country where the child has been murdered the perpetrator has been indicted and charged with a crime so that we know who those people are they have their they have no confidentiality right uh, the, uh, it's been forfeited because they're they're deceased or they've been charged, and it's a matter of public record. Um, that is arguably taking advantage of the confidentiality statute is the agency, which does not want us to know. What they knew and when they knew it. So we try to hold them accountable. Um, we handle cases in court through volunteer attorneys. Um, when it's appropriate, we use the media, um, in, including uh, written, uh, the written word, and editorials. I've been Over these years, uh, I'm confident that I've had uh, 500 or better radio, TV, um, or newspaper uh, interviews about these issues. Unfortunately, most people don't want to think about the horror associated with child abuse, or if they get upset it doesn't last so it's a constant battle to keep these issues in front of our leaders mm-hmm. and our citizenry so that we can make some progress
1: yeah just i know briefly i can't even imagine yeah yeah I'm sorry
2: about that I no, and, and, you, and, yeah and, people
1: some people just can't even imagine that that is a possibility that it happens you know just in a different country or, something
2: like that. And, um, right.
1: Now it might be a good time to maybe just stop and see if there's any questions. I noticed um, Dr. Nance yeah. back on with this too. And Is that okay? To- Did you want to say something else? Sure. or No, go ahead.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I
1: was, I was wondering as well, is there a um, general age that um, kids are allowed to choose not to go to their other parent that's being abusive, or when it, when does it actually become their choice?
2: Well, it, it varies from state to state. Okay. In the state of Texas, uh, the age is 12 when a child can actually voice their preference. Um, and, and, again, that may involve something like, Uh, a neglect or a trauma of some kind, but not necessarily a crime. It actually raises an important point in many courts, family courts, when there's a custody case, um, mother brings a custody case and it comes out that there's an allegation of abuse against the father um there is uh, the, the typical defense is a thing called the parental alienation syndrome, that the mother is trying to alienate the child against uh, the father when, in fact, what right-thinking mother wouldn't want to separate and protect her child from a, an abusive, physically or sexually abusive father, Um it's it's actually – it's in the law. It's codified that the mother and the father of a child shall protect the child. Um, but it, when this 12-year-old um, comes into effect as a child just prefers one parent over another, it's not a – it's not it's a, it shouldn't involve criminal activity. But but some of these cases are even being mediated, which is a, a, a term that's used for sort of out of court uh, resolution with a trained mediator. Um, when you're talking about a crime against a child, there's no mediation. Uh, it's um, criminal charges have to be filed. Um, it's the only thing that we know uh, makes any difference in terms of the behavior of the perpetrator. And, of course, if it's serious, like any mm-hmm. form of sexual abuse or repetitive physical abuse, um, it should be uh, charged as a crime, and they should go to jail, and they should be segregated from free society Um, so that's the the short answer is in in Texas it's 12 but I just want to make the point that that is just a custody situation where the child wants to express their preference if the child has been raped um that shouldn't even be on the table about should yes. or should no. the father have access to the child? No,
1: and I know there's so many of us on this, um, you know, that are members of NASCA that have experienced yes. that exact thing. That you know, our parents just had to turn a blind eye, and I find I and, um, and then I I look back and I know that. For some reason, my mom chose to, to turn away. I mean, even when I told her what had happened with my stepdad, she basically—I I don't remember the whole conversation—but she basically said, "Yeah, it happened." And I remember going yep. to a family counseling, and my mom was a paralegal, so she probably knew her way around a little bit. And I remember going to a family sure. counseling, and I don't remember what was said in there either. I was—I think I was 14 or 15 when this happened.
0: And I, um, because
1: I just locked it out. I think what you said, yeah, it happens, and kind of blew it off, and and made that choice. Um, I I blocked out a lot of things, obviously. But so we did go sort to of family counseling. I remember that, and I remember also, um, maybe it was once or twice that we went, and the and the counselor saying to me, "Oh, you have a very nice family," and I was thinking. Hey, what was that? I didn't even remember. You know, obviously insane. it wasn't what
2: the issue was. <laughs> right. So, um, you know. it's, it's, it's tragic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, I, I. I, I the only, and I, I will say that most of the people that refer cases to us, unless it's an actual prosecutor or um, someone in the system, and we get many of those kind of referrals because we can say things that they can't. Um, uh, Most of the referring people are are mothers, the vast majority. I would Mm -hmm. say over the course, since 1987, I can probably count on both hands the number of cases where the mother was the bad person um, it, it, almost invariably it's there, yeah. mothers it's kind of like uh, the mother lion in the wild you know they're going to die trying to protect their child but does it happen where the mother for whatever reason doesn't protect the child of course it does sometimes yeah. <laughs> there's a there was an infam, infamous case out of New York City involving a little girl that was murdered by an abusive attorney father Um, and uh, the, the mother was so severely beaten on a regular basis, had brain damage and cauliflower ears and all these kind of things that anybody could understand why she wasn't the biggest advocate for her child. She was uh, trying to survive herself, if she even um, was doing that. Uh, And I also have to think, since the statistics that you all know, like three to four um one out of three or four girls mm-hmm. are uh sexually abused before they turn eighteen and one out of five to seven boys same thing that that your mother may have been a victim of sexual oh, abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And and so um, it, I'm not making any excuses for her behavior
0: right. um, but I am <laughs> right. I, I
2: do know I do know that that even though everyone who's been abused doesn't become abusive almost every right. abuser was abused as a child and so as yeah. Andrew box a great uh, author and teacher in this area and a mentor um, would say when we don't protect these children we are literally breeding an army of abusers in the future because it, it the it, that's and that's why i feel so strongly about aggressive intervention on behalf of these children uh it's it's the only chance that they have and uh even if the, the perpetrator isn't successfully prosecuted, if if they can be adopted out, get, get loving parents to provide them with um, however many years they can of care and support, therapy, they've got a shot at um, a decent life. But too many of these children... Never get out of that hill hole. Yeah, or
1: see any aye, aye. different. I think that it also makes a difference if you are able to see that there is a different way. You know, I think it was for me. I think it was for one my faith because my mom felt strongly at one point that that I needed to go to church, even though she didn't want to go with me. And so I went to church yes. on the school bus, but um, I think that was a huge plus for me, and that um, you know I kind of had that foundation to fall back on. And um, yes, yeah, I, I think that was huge. So and and I think I remember seeing some friends' house and how they run, and that it didn't look the same as mine. And so I, I think that that helped me for sure. Um, yeah. Not, well, I decided at 18 when I got pregnant and, and had my daughter, I said, I'm not going to let this just happen to my daughter. That seems like it's yes. very irresponsible, you know? And um and so, yeah, I, I just did what I could to make sure that nothing ever happened to her. Well, I, obviously, blessed.
2: yeah, now you're in a leadership okay. position to try to share your knowledge with other people. Um that you know the the stories are the things that just drive anybody that works in this area crazy um, they are they're very they're very teachable moments when you discuss people who think that bad things don't happen to children um and the people that opened my eyes to this really clearly, in my first case, actually as a prosecutor of, of a child abuse case, um, it, they were school nurses, and they were so incredibly frustrated because they actually tried to do something to protect these children, and and it wasn't happening, and they were fighting. CPS to get them to take the child into protective custody. Um, uh, this this case that I my first case involved a little girl who had been repeatedly raped by her stepfather, and when she told her school nurse that uh, she thought she was pregnant, the nurse reported it to CPS, and when CPS said It's not life-threatening, send her home. It wasn't (laughs) life-threatening. How much more life or (sighs) spiritual threatening could it be? And subsequently, um, you know, I learned that even when she was in foster care, she was checked out to her stepfather who took her out of state and raped her again, and you know, by the time I got to her case, she'd been in foster care for maybe three or four years. And when I went out to the foster home to meet with her, and this is what really kind of set me on my journey, uh, I was told by the foster facility that I couldn't meet with my witness I was going to put on the stand the next day without CPS having their lawyer present. And I told them, bullshit, call CPS right now and tell them that I'm going to interview this child if they want to send somebody over, send them over. Um, And even though this little girl, Cheryl, had... um, recanted her testimony ultimately i was able to get her to open up on the witness stand and we sent her stepfather to prison for a very long time but no thanks to cps and as a result of that case the board of children's protective services tried to get this nurse fired and uh, saying that she was insensitive to the CPS cause as though CPS's cause was anything other than protecting abused children. Um, But it it just, that was, like I said, it lifted the veils from my eyes because I could not imagine an agency, an agency that's very well-funded, in Texas about half a billion dollars a year who would actively interfere with these investigations or go after well-intentioned professionals because they had dared to try to fight for a child. So that that started me on my journey. Um, And after I left the DA's office, um, Actually, I I wrote a special, I did a special investigation with the consent of the DA and wrote this 40-some-odd-page report of why it's uh, difficult, if not impossible, for us to prosecute many cases. Um, And it became a series on the Houston Post called Children Who Die, A System Failure. And that paved the way for the starting of Justice for Children in 1987. And since then, we've had a number of wonderful opportunities to get the word out on many, many specials on national TV, um, as well as uh, serious investigations done by um, quality uh, newspapers around the country Where we were active Participants But it's it's that Confrontation in my mind And that intervention On, on behalf of the child is the only Thing that keeps These agencies Honest or, or at least Marginal yeah. so um, Anyway I'm taking up a lot of time I I'd love to talk oh, to you. it's your have, time. Have more more <laughs> yeah. questions. If yeah,
1: Dr. Nancy is going to be on. I was going to just say before I um, bring her on that I'm a big advocate also for prevention. And I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Solite yes. sort of children's, I'm an instructor and facilitator with them. Yes. So, you know, yes. I am a big advocate for that. That's so, what, you know, we need to be doing is educating the adults. Um, you know, my yes. first interaction was at wasn't my stepdad at It was a neighborhood boy when I was five, and I didn't have any context for that either to put anything into it when he tried to to get me to touch him. And so, you know, adults need to be the ones that are advocating for for the kids. They, yes,
2: just,
1: and, as you were saying,
2: <laughs> and and, and I, I let me say that I think place for CPS and that there's a, that and I used to be on what was called the Texas um, uh, the, the Children's Trust Fund of Texas which provides millions of dollars to state agencies uh, to for specific prevention projects that involve heavy duty um, uh, uh, scientific work um but but I, i believe that those efforts are most effective when you're talking about neglect you've got a mother who is just completely over her head she's got she may live in um terrible financial circumstances there's no father in the home um uh, maybe are other little children, things that most people, well, certainly men like myself can't even imagine as uh, we work outside the home. And I think miracles can be performed in those types of families. The area where I think it's problematic uh, is where you've got somebody who has repeatedly abused a child or children um, sexually or has uh, you know committed other serious crimes against children uh, I, I I do believe that there are in that These sorts of criminals are incorrigible, and the statistics back me up that that offenders, child sexual abuse offenders in particular, um, are almost impossible to rehabilitate. Um, I'd love to say otherwise, but I've, I've read all the studies about chemical castration and um in other uh therapy attempts um but it's it's very very, very difficult to find a meaningful trend where they are they they can be rehabilitated Now, when you're talking about helping young families where the cause of the stresses face young families are are single single mothers they lash out are they neglected child? those are absolutely um redeemable situations where you can help turn that around Thank
1: you for that um how about if we bring on Dr. Nancy and see if she
3: has anything that she wanted to ask you? Yes. Dr. Nancy, are you there? Good evening. Yes. Hey. Good evening, Mr. Randy. Thank you for coming on tonight. Hi. We really appreciate it. Thank you so yes, much ma'am. for all the information uh, that you shared with us. Well, my question earlier really was uh, similar to what Ms. Kim had already asked, which was about the age. Uh, when the child's able to choose which parent they can be with, and you did answer that. But we do have other people on the panel. So uh, I want to know if we can open up the mics to allow um, some questions. Mm -hmm. One, actually, okay, wait, I'm sorry. We had, we actually had a person drop the call. But, um, I do want to ask if anybody would like to make any comments or um, if anyone has any questions, the lines are open. Um, I see that that person is back on. Uh, so, again, if you would like to make a comment or ask Mr. Randy a comment, the lines are open. We have yeah. a caller with the um, 697 number.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> How are you? This is Billy from Massachusetts. Um Randy, man, it's great that you're doing what you're doing. I'm a survivor of um, child abuse f- from a priest at age 14, and I'm 54 oh, years yeah. old. So important to what That's you're so. doing. Um, been in therapy for eight years. I've been on the show before, but, um, yeah, I, I see in your bio, um, I just, I testified my story in front of the joint committee of Massachusetts for the law change and it got denied the first time um obviously I'm going to keep trying but um, Massachusetts is one of the states that haven't stepped up they have a 7 year law when you recognize it and obviously as we all know it takes a long longer than 7 years to recover for this and uh it's I just actually, feel fortunate I just feel fortunate that you know I continue double sessions of therapy but uh to do what you're doing is awesome. And, um, and, uh, to get, you know, unfortunately this stuff happens, but to get to a child at a young age and start talking about it and not carry it their whole life like I did. And obviously a lot to the story between suicide attempts and drug abuse. And, um, I feel fortunate to be on. Yeah. I feel fortunate to be on the other side of it, but, Again, you deal with all the mental and why they chose you and why and why this. And uh, just continue, continue the grind. And uh, great topic tonight and great job.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, I, I I have spent some time working on clergy abuse cases as well as uh and I don't mean for a fee uh, i when I decided to take this on when I left uh, the prosecutor's office, I have never taken a one of these cases where I make a dime uh, I wanted to make it clear and i even though I have been in family court on these cases that i this is not a and I'm not knocking. People who do that for a living—we've got to have great attorneys out there that can represent people like yourself. Yeah, I—I uh, I don't do it for a living. I segregated my practice so that all the work I do for children is is uh, pro bono, um, and I have a great regular trial practice. Thank God, and I—I I have. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity I've had to. Pursue this, but it's uh, um, it's trying to. Find, thank goodness, there are people like you out there that, and all the other people that are part of your group, this group, our group, that are uh, trying to make a difference. It just takes it takes you can't you can't stop it. I because I I I've, I've talked this so many times in front of so many organizations and yet um, it's like the light bulb goes off for the first time with with people like they just did not understand how and it, it is confounding how can you how can we spend uh, in nationwide a hundred billion dollars on child protection and have this this many colossal failures. It's not like that just one or two slipped through the cracks. The same study I mentioned half shows that half fifty percent of all children who were murdered by parents were previously investigated by CPS our law enforcement, most of them by CPS. I mean, to me, and, and we're not, it, it's not like they're minor cases. We've had cases where there have been 10 doctor's reports, and no one has done anything. So, you know, we've got to get real about this, because uh, it, just like you were talking about with your therapy, um, the, the The financial cost associated with drug abuse, children living on the streets, uh, corrections. I talked to the guy who was head of their statistics. His name was actually Charlie Brown. And they found that 95% of everyone who is incarcerated was abused as a child. And this is not, this is not something that surprises me. I mean, people act out in lots of different ways, and uh, it's one of those pay me now or pay me later things. We have to protect these children as soon as we find out about the abuse.
0: Um, I
4: I agree, and I actually I uh, I worked in corrections for nineteen years. I did that in Massachusetts and. Um, yeah, really? you know, part, part, yeah, part of my support group, I talked to a gentleman from Road to Recovery, and he, 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 I was, actually, that shocked me, but you guys are, you guys are dig deep into this. That statistic is so high, but, and it's just, it's crazy. And actually, the, the priest that did that to me is still a priest in my hometown, and they've known about it since sure. 2012. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, he's still a priest. Uh, he married so me and my wife. He's
2: still abusing other boys. What's that? He's still abusing other boys.
4: Oh, 100%. I I I filed a report with the police station last year. As you know, yeah, as you know, you know the process. When you're ready, you're ready, and when you're not, you're not. I was ready to do that, and uh, I filed a report. But the way the statute of limitations is in Massachusetts. It kind of it protects them, <clears throat> so
2: hopefully with the new it, governor.
0: But even state. still,
2: the the uh, you know the Boston Globe did that phenomenal investigation into abuse by you. by priests. Out, yep. and I, I, it, it seems to me like like someone there because it you, it's got to be publicized. You have to embarrass. I mean. Suing them and getting financial compensation is totally appropriate, and it does hurt them in the pocketbook, but they have to be embarrassed. My my wife and I got married in Catholic church, and she was raised as a Catholic. I was raised as an Episcopalian, but I converted. But when this started to come out, we both left the church. It doesn't mean that we don't have an active spiritual life. But it's how can you um, how can you be a priest and administer to your flock and be sexually abusing a child? I'm so sorry for that. This happened to you.
4: Yeah, and the uh, weird thing is, is you know how I, I was. I was sent to him to do a hundred hours of probation as a freshman. I got in a little trouble and yeah. and I was I was sent to him for a hundred hours of probation and he ended up molesting me. And uh that wasn't a common thing. Uh in Merrimack Valley area, i l I'm in in Massachusetts, but a lot of probation kids got sent to priests to do their probation and you know uh, there's a lot of priests there's a lot of priests in this area. Um, especially uh. like father I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of Father Paquin, but, um, but, uh, yeah, he's in jail again, which is good, but, uh, it, it's just, yeah. and, you know, like I said, I, I'm pretty plugged into people that are, you know, work with victims and survivors and, um, he's never heard it before. And this is a former priest mm. who went against the grain and started talking and he runs a road to recovery and he's been a big part of my life, but it's just, it's insane. I mean, I and again, I think you touch. You know, my mother was just a single parent. I lost my dad at four years old to a car accident, and then I get in a little trouble, and I get sent to a guy that's supposed to be helping me, and he does what he does.
0: <laughs>
4: <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's just crazy,
2: crazy system. It is, so, yeah, crazy system. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like they were pimping for this guy.
4: Yeah, no, no, it's like it, you know, there's a. Couple people plugged in with it. she's trying to prove that there was a pedophile ring in the Merrimack Valley area, and I I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you. You know, me? No, nope. me either.
2: Well, it's an
4: honor honor to talk to you. Yeah, it's a, it's great listening to you and. I respect the heck out of people who go, you know, you do the right thing. And like I said, I mentioned another guy, and same thing. He was a former priest, and he was a whistleblower. And I actually, actually, right. actually have, had lunch with him today, and it's just for for you guys doing what you do. helps people like me.
2: <laughs> so yeah. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only way I've been able to deal with what I have seen – is because most people like we've had volunteers come into our organization and they just can't hack it but yeah i and it's maybe this is a different thing for men versus women but what i do is i get mad i mean i and i have the tools that, as an attorney to do something about this and i know how the system Works and doesn't work, and how uh, as a prosecutor, my daughter is a prosecutor uh, I, I I know um, I know how to get things done and set, and that's what our group does is we get people who are told that nothing can be done, and they don't know any better and fortunately they came to us and we can tell them that this is malarkey that you have got all kinds of ways that you can do end runs around the problem uh, if the problem cps you go directly to law enforcement if the problem is law enforcement you go directly to the da's office and talk to the to them uh, they can do independent investigations, although normally it's done by law enforcement. So there are lots of ways that we can get things done. Um, there aren't enough of us, but we try to make a big enough deal out of the cases that we have, that we have a ripple effect through the system. Uh Yeah, I was,
4: I was, you know, there's two laws in Massachusetts is like, uh, one of them is a seven-year law. And, you know, when you're recognized, say you go see an attorney that starts the statute of limitations. And then there's another one where if you turn before you turn age 54, you can go after the, I'm sorry, 53, you can go after the perpetrator, but with that law, is what the catholic church does or actually what the church does in general he's actually what's called a malchite it's a lebanese order and um they try to like if i put a suit in against him then he would try to yeah. their organization would try to retaliate against me for oh. defamation character so sure it's it, it and again i i'm not <clears throat> you know i know i know a little bit about the law i i have a okay baseline of it but yeah, that's what – and the problem well, I ran yeah. into is I I was plugged in with a with a big-name lawyer in Boston. And, um, I mean, he deals with these cases all the time. But when he gave my folder back to me and I looked into going after him on the other end before he turned age 53, no attorney wanted it because – there. I mean, I'm not saying this in any bad way, but there was just no money in it for him. They checked his assets, and they probably hide them all. And uh,
2: that's that's what I was
4: that's what I was up against.
2: So, well, you're doing something now, which more power to you.
4: Yeah, no, I I won't I won't give up the fight. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow.
1: Thanks, Billy. Thanks for calling in and and for sharing this
2: evening.
4: No, it, it's nice so, to call in.
1: Yeah, well, anytime. we would love to have you. Um, Yeah, I was just thinking, Randy, about that 95% that you said are in the prisons that have been abused. Yes. And
2: I'll
1: bet it's even higher than that because you don't know, again, you don't know everybody. People don't say always what they are, so I'll bet that number is higher than even that, which, um, yeah, it's amazing. So... We've got just under a half an hour left. And so, yeah, what else can you tell us about your organization and how, you know, people can get in touch with you and um, yeah, a little bit more about okay. that? Okay,
2: well, um, we have a website. It's justiceforchildren.org. We're a nonprofit, 501c3. Um, and we have, uh, in addition to myself, We have lawyers on our board. We have volunteer lawyers. Um, We have a a full-time staff attorney. And we have a number of caseworkers, some full-time, some part-time. And uh, basically, when a person has a case that they are interested in having us investigate um, and see if we can help, we, there is a, a form that we, you can fill out electronically on our website that goes to um, our caseworkers, and they review the information. You can add like PDF files of, of, of court records or medical records or other things, and so our uh, our staff investigates. Uh, the case, they try to get any additional information. They may, if it's, if the case, let's, let's just say that it it's just at the bottom of the pile with law enforcement or CPS, we try to go to the source of the problem and see if we can fix it. You know, basically, we've reviewed the facts. Uh, we don't understand what the problem is with proceeding on this case. And we try to get them to do the right thing, um, and but we also have the, the ability to file protective orders to get to, to remove uh, the perpetrator from the home. We have the ability to um, work hand in glove with law enforcement and the prosecutor's office and CPS um, to try to collect. Whatever additional information is needed to move the case forward, I'm not going to tell you that um, we're successful in most of the cases. We're a small organization but 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 known um, certainly around the country. I helped start uh, an a, a international observatory in England. Um, called the Observatory for the Rights of the Child. and we work with uh, the U.N. Um, Committee on Children's Rights, um, and uh, we try to get the word out um, about the problem and try to educate our leaders. Uh, the, the problem is it's a fair... It's a fair statement to say that the business of the Texas legislature is business. They don't have a whole big interest in um, social issues and job protection. Having said that, there are some good leaders, there is a handful of them, and and so we try to work not only on the case – case-by-case basis, but on the overall, the bigger picture uh, with legislation um, and with uh, uh, trying to change the way that these cases are handled by primarily CPS. Um, I've had conversations with the the leaders of agencies at the the highest level, he said that, but for our advocacy for these children, they would have never changed the way they did business. Um, uh, I worked, if anybody's old enough to remember Senator Nancy Kassebaum from Kansas, I worked with her staff. She was very interested in child protection issues, and um, I helped rewrite the law that was passed in 1980 that I talked about at the beginning, um, so, so that even though there is, uh, it makes uh, sense to try to rehabilitate families where you can, um, and to uh, reunite children with families where you can. There are irreducible minimums that I set out and they put in the legislation that passed, signed into law in 97 by President Clinton that it's called the Adoption and Safe Families Act, where if a child, if there's evidence of child sexual abuse, The agency must uh, intervene. If one child in a home has been murdered, you must remove the other children. There were two cases in Connecticut around the same time that this law was passed where a child was murdered in a home and CPS allowed the other children to stay in the home, and then another child was murdered. I mean, it's not rocket science. So we set out a a, a list of irreducible criteria where if this is present in your investigation, you have to act. Um, uh, There is a movement that this is something that is – occurred in the past and kind of gets attention about every five to ten years uh, to create what's called an expert model, which basically is a, a program where young, inexperienced caseworkers have to answer questions based upon their investigation of the child's case, and if the system says this is not a good case to leave the child in a home or to return the child to the home, they have to override that system. So if you have evidence of criminal abuse, um, it, 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 this expert system requires you to answer a group of questions that experts have determined are indicia of a dangerous home. And um, there are things like that that we continue to work on and they to try to address the system. But the most important part of the work that we do and what separates us from almost everybody else is that we handle individual children's cases. Um, And that's pretty unusual. A lot of people are – there's some great advocacy organizations out there that work on legislation and raising consciousness and whatnot, but there aren't many that have trained attorneys – who do this on their own nickel. Um to try to help save little children. Um, um, so we have I'm very proud so of the you, staff that we have Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you have um attorneys then like in all different states
2: or do you just have that, no, of them we're able to Yeah, let's sit. When I first started this, when I was a young father and out of the VA's office, I would give half my week handling cases and trying to assist um, starting chapters in other states. We got up to something like 35 different chapters working these cases, but ultimately... I couldn't support my family and do justice to the clients that I had
0: and have
2: and keep that up. So fortunately with the advent of the internet, we don't have to be physically, It's a we don't have to have a brick and mortar building in every city or state. We just have to get the word out that we're there and people – and we get calls from every state, from some foreign countries. Um, and, uh, and, and then we try to recruit through volunteer lawyer organizations in the major cities. But questionably, it's difficult if you're talking about – um an abuse case that meets our criteria that's in some remote area, um, where there aren't a lot of attorneys, maybe any attorneys um, trying to get those people help. Um, and we are inadequate. To meet that uh, demand, it's just all there is to it. Um, the, the other thing is i I spent so much time after a while raising money to keep all these chapters going that I didn't have time to do the casework, which is why I started the organization, so I've cut it back. We still handle thousands of cases a year um a lot of them we're not able to help on we have to refer if we can um but the ones that we can help on we do uh but, but we we are uh to, there are three this same report the national incident survey reports that there are 3 million reports of child abuse every year. Uh, out of that 3 million, only 1 million are investigated. And then out of that 1 million, um, CPS helps between 25 and 30% of those cases. So the enorm and, – and I would tell you that I don't believe that only 1 million of these 3 million reports deserve that kind of attention. It's probably 2 million out of the 3 million, or who knows. Uh, I, I'm inclined to give most of these cases uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Uh But the problem is just simply enormous. That's why we have to have the governmental agencies that exist do their job. Keep them honest. I'd love for us to go out of business tomorrow. I truly would. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I, I don't know how... uh, and I've tried lots of different things um, to partner with the American Bar. Um, there are a lot of young attorneys that want trial experience. This is the perfect example, pers- perfect opportunity for them and for the victim uh, or the victim's mom to get their case in front of a judge. It, but it's just, um, it's like that starfish. Story, you know, we try to help as many of them as we can pick up and throw back in the ocean uh, so that starfish lives. But most of these children, we will never reach. We don't have the staff. We just um, the best we can do is handle the cases we have and to try to get the word out. I've been on Primetime Live and Good Morning America and. HBO and BBC, all of whom have done, and others, uh, documentaries or specials on on child abuse, and we get, you know, whoever watches that will it'll raise their consciousness. It will apply pressure on the system, but um, it's got to be it's got to be done on a long term basis and and done on a regular basis. I'm not getting any younger,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and, I,
2: and I've tried. Here's the other thing, and I you all may. Have experienced this, but I will get people involved who I think will be the next leader or leaders. But most yeah. people don't have the staying power. Power, or they can't take the horror associated with these cases. Uh,
1: yeah, I definitely think you have to know and, how to compartmentalize very well.
2: Yeah, you yeah, but I do. I do have hope. I have seen changes made. I've seen children saved. Um, I've seen education. I've seen people educated and laws changed. Um, in, in Maryland, we had a case where we sued an ad litem attorney and took it. He uh, was. Supposed to represent an abused child and did not made virtually no effort, which is frankly not that unusual and they, they find a really aggressive independent uh, attorney at item to advocate on behalf of a child in a custody case and and we won the case and by before the uh, uh, Maryland Supreme Court. We've been to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, we've, we've made new case law and changed statutes in a number of states. Um, and I hope and believe we will continue to do that, and there will be other people that will take up where we left off. Uh, that uh, it's an enormous problem. Well, I'll shut yeah. up. If anybody well, I, has any questions, I
1: was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Does anybody else have any questions or anything before we wrap up?
4: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so Randy, like uh, I mentioned, I went in front of the joint committee and and it got de- and it got denied for the law change. And Senator Joan Lovely um, sponsored it. Um, any any good advice for me? I've been trying to get in touch with. With the new governor, um, is it a process that has to kind of go through a state senator putting the bill in or or do you think what I'm doing like trying to go through a governor and trying to get in her ear and try to I don't even know if if she would even see yeah. me, but
2: No, but it um but you know the, I have never uh, turned away any opportunity meet okay i've met with governors i've met with uh controllers um we had a great state controller who actually uh, made it her thing to investigate and address problems in foster care um i, met, I meet with the attorney general's office but on the state level if you testify any place they'll give you a shot, but there's uh-huh. no reason. There's no reason whatsoever that you should be selective about this. I mean, okay. if you get the governor's ear, you're golden. Yeah. Um, if if but if, but uh, there's no reason why you can't talk to your state representative, your congressional representative. Um, yeah. You know your state and 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 federal senators, anybody who will give you time you see so you got the credentials what what helped me immeasurably were two things um I was a prosecutor, I knew the law um and uh, and I used these cases that we were handling to get the attention of the media. And the thing that judges and legislators are most afraid of is not getting reelected or getting a bad – I mean, I've I've career – the careers of a number of horrible judges – that had the opportunity to save children's lives and didn't. And um, either because the perpetrator was represented by one of their former law partners or all kind of horrible, unethical, unfeeling ways to... Do the job that we put them there for. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I just make a list. I mean, you think about all the people that you have known or touched with their story, and it can be, it it can be through the uh, prison system and people that you knew there. It yeah. can be who... It can be through maybe elders in the Catholic Church. It can be prosecutors. Um, uh, It can be anything like that. Uh, You never know. Honestly, you never know. That's why if I get a chance to speak to people, I always take it. If I get some little radio station to do an interview, I always take the interview because I've had too many miracles occur where one person said, I'd like to help. And by the way, here's a check for $25,000 for your organization. You know, I didn't ask for anything. I was there to educate. But you don't know where that miracle is going to come. I mean, whatever you call your higher power. Yeah, uh, I I believe that miracles happen every day, and multiple ones every day in everybody's life. That a lot of times we just don't take advantage of them. We think we're too busy, or you know. And I I I freely admit that. I mean, <laughs> I've got boxes, bankers' boxes, boxes and boxes of bankers' boxes where I've talked to somebody and I want to follow up with them and I put a note in a banker's box and I never get back to them. I just, there's only so much I can do time-wise. Yeah.
1: Um, and
2: it's, but, but those, what I'm saying to you is there are, there are, please talk to your governor. If you have, um, it, it, and maybe he'll say or she'll say, go talk to so-and-so and you go talk yeah. to them. And I'll, you know, but that's okay. You know, you, like I said, you never know who's going to make, who's going to provide you with the, uh, miracle that you need to, get the law changed or um, and if you get a chance to talk to someone in the media either through uh, the newspaper or a rotary club or I don't care what it is, get in front of people, tell them your story and ask them or help or ideas. The people, these people will bring it, a spiral notebook with you because everybody there is going to come up afterwards and say, have you talked to so-and-so and give them my name? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great advice. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So much. If anybody thinks... Andy, just for yeah, if easy, anybody thinks... Yeah. If, yeah, you can always call me or reach out to me through Justice for Children. Um, and I'd be happy to try to do anything I can to help.
4: I appreciate it.
3: All right.
1: Yeah, it's good to know that there are people out there that really are wanting to fight and for children, um, and um, I didn't know that you yeah, existed. It was, I'm yeah. so glad that I was able to be on with you this evening. So thank you, man. Are there any last words you thank want to be those before we set out?
2: No. No, I just I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the great work that you're doing. And uh, uh, I think this is the, only the second time um, I've been on the program. But has been a few years. I, I'm grateful for the chance to get the word out. And um, if there's anything I can do to help or, uh with – your mission, or anything else, let me know.
1: Awesome, thank you, Randy. Thank you for that. And um, you know our founder, Bill Murray. He listens to all of the shows, and so he will hear you say that. And I'm sure yeah, I feel he has anything. But so you are doing great. Yeah, I'm good. glad that he's. Um, kind of opened up the show and taken a little bit of that responsibility off of himself and um, letting some of us give it a shot. So it's been just an honor to be able to be on and, and kind of stand, stand in for him and, and Carol, who used to be on every single night. They are. are
0: doing a great our, job. Our,
1: they are. They are. We just love it. So um, thank you again. And, again, justiceforchildren.org is where you can find Randy. And um, you yes, can ma'am. go ahead and message him if you have any questions or concerns or anything that you want to talk about. And we are awesome. just so honored that you are on with us this evening. And and come back any We'd love to have you any time. You're welcome to be on the panel as well. And um, if you want to just go yeah, like in come and, back. and get in on the conversation.
2: So Sounds good. We'd love
1: to have you. Well, thank you, Dr. Nancy, my co-host this evening, for being on. Billy, thank you for being on with us as well. And and I know Philip was just sitting there, and we're glad he was on with us tonight, too. But as we always say, there are enough eyes and ears out there to keep every single child safe. So please, if you see something, Mm -hmm. say something. And let's make... 2023 the year that we're going to, to stand up for children no matter what. Thank you everyone. Yes. Have a good evening. Good night. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.
0: Let's go on. You are forgotten. After all that you've done. I know tomorrow. Let's go on. let